Do you need to make lineup plans without Juju Smith-Schuster? Can Jamal Williams be trusted in your lineups? And is Baker Mayfield the play over Jared Goff in championship week? Plus, the week 15 seventh place team in the FFPC main event, Neil Hassett drops in on the show to discuss the Rams' backfield without Todd Gurley, whether Calvin Ridley is a shark start this week, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts. Once upon a time, not long ago, when people wore pajamas and lived life slow, where laws were stern and justice stood, and people were behaving like they ought to good, there lived a little boy who was misled by another little boy, and this is what he wrote. Me and you tonight, we're going to make some cash, robbing old folks and making the dash. They did the job, money came with ease But one couldn't stop, it's like he had a disease He robbed another and another and a sister and a brother Tried to rob a man who was as easy undercover The cop grabbed his arm, he started acting erratic Broadcast live and heard around the world You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour Presented by MyFFPC.com With your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thanks so much, Rob. Salutations, each and every one of you, Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co host is the patron saint of fantasy football. NBA superfan, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, is Chris Carson about to win you a fantasy title? Can you trust T.Y. Hilton and Derrick Henry this week? And the seventh place team in the FFPC main event, Neil Hassett, joins us to share how he has ascended 278 spots in just two weeks and much more. All tonight on the HSFF Hour. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. You can connect with the show on Twitter at HSFFOR, myself on Twitter at Eric Balkman, or the Dizzle at David Gerzak, Facebook.com slash HSFFOR, and 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OBA. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Get those questions to us now. The chat room questions, tweets, and emails will all be answered coming up later on in the show uh, in the fantasy feedback segment. And I want to thank our producer and mutual friend, Rob. Audio engineer Bryce, happy holidays to both of you guys. Thanks for all your hard work in 2018. They are uh, manning the show tonight. want to remind everybody, if you have not taken a look at the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge, it is indeed live. $200,000 grand prize, a $750,000 prize pool. $200 uh, gets you in the contest. It's a cap of uh, 4,250 4, teams. 10-player lineup, one player per NFL playoff team. Less than a month to go to register at myffpc.com. It's actually coming up on, what, two weeks, Dave? Is that right? Uh, A little little bit more than two weeks um, that you have. I think it's 22 days right now. Or, excuse me, uh, 15 days right now until the lineup's locked for that. We're already over 500 teams. All right, excellent. Uh, That's good to hear. Where were we at at this point last year? 700 teams? 900 teams? Yeah, 1,000. That's what I thought. Just kidding. Uh, up, yeah, quite a, the cap numbers going up, so I don't know if we may or may not sell out. Right, yeah. Alex thinks it's going to sell out. I'm not sure. 
200 grand, though. That's pretty juicy. I think that's par for the course. Um, Alex thinks it's going to sell out. Dave is not sure, and I am positive it won't. I feel like that's sort of uh, the roles that we have played uh, on this uh, podcast over the years. New high-stakes lowdown at rotoviz.com slash podcast. Jeremy Roach is this week's guest. He has teams in the FFPC main event, Football Guys Players Championship, and he is leading the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship along with his co-manager, Danny Mueller, uh, with one week to go there. Great stuff from Jeremy. A very long episode. It was almost a 50-minute episode. Uh, Jeremy said some of the bourbon that he was drinking may or may not have caused him to ramble towards the end of the podcast. And Tupacker also got a mention on there, too, which is always entertaining. Uh, so that's going on at rotoviz.com slash podcast. All right, let's get to uh, tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he is uh, – now, this is int- – okay, I- I'm going to leave this for last. Um, he, he won the NFFC Super last year. He has two teams in the NFFC Championship this year, has cashed in many FFPC and NFFC events, but he has yet to win the big one. Dave, he sits just six spots from the top of the FFPC main event with one week left to go. Please welcome to the show a gentleman who graduated high school with fellow high-stakes player Glenn Lowy. It is Neil Hassett. Neil, happy holidays, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. This is uh, the question, obviously, on everybody's mind as we are in championship week, everybody talking about fantasy football. Neil, inquiring minds want to know, what was Glenn Louie like in high school? <laughs> he, he was kind of uh, a nebbish, kind of a nerdy kind of guy. And uh, <laughs> No, really, I, I, really I, I, I didn't know him, really, in, in high school. I, I found out after the fact that we were in the same graduation class. It was such a big high school that you couldn't really know everybody, even though I'm very Yeah, Neil's been... Yeah. Neil's being nice. He was with the cool crowd, right? And Glenn, not so much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, were there, was there? Now you said fifteen hundred. That was that in the whole school or in your class? No, that's just in the class. In the class, my gosh, yeah, I, I, yeah. that's incredible uh, to me. Yeah. Um, you know, we're in Northeast Wisconsin here. We're graduating high school classes are sometimes as high as four. So it's it's, <laughs> to, it's it's a totally totally different scenario here. Neil, uh, listen, thanks for joining us. We want to get into fantasy football. Before we do that, can you tell the listeners what you do for a living? I'm a uh, I'm an accountant and a financial advisor. Not really a fun time to be a financial advisor at this particular moment. But overall, it's it's fun <laughs> and lucrative. It's a buying opportunity, right? I would say it is, yes. Especially Apple happen. and Facebook. You know, I think that's a good opportunity. Yeah, you know, Facebook really got – they've been getting slammed for some of the stuff they've kind of been doing. But, I mean, in the long run, people still go on there and jibber-jabber and show sure. all the basic crap. They're super hard, you know, bragging about where they're vacationing and all the other crap that they do. <laughs> right? What do you do on Facebook? Well, you know, kid pictures – I don't. I don't post a whole lot of kid pictures. Yeah. My wife takes uh, to post those and then she tags me in them. Yeah. Did you see the Facebook post I had today? You would I, enjoy I don't, it. I'm not on Facebook. Oh, that's why I keep forgetting about. It. I'm going to show you after the show. You'll appreciate oh, it. Great. So anyway. It's a diehard thing. <laughs> anyway, all right. So Neil Washington asked you a question relating to your team. Uh, Classifiers the right time survived a really brutal week 15. You know, almost everyone has struggled. You moved up from 285th place to seventh. That is sick. Tell us what it's been like you know, with your squad these past few weeks. How many points did you score last week? Uh, a significant amount of points. I'm looking it up right now. It was. Uh, I think Neil. I think you had. I think you had 167 in week 14, and then 176. I want to say in week 15. I think that's what it was. Yeah, 176.95 in week uh, in week 15. 167 in week 14. 
You know, when, when I was at after week 14, I, I was so far out, I really wasn't even – I mean, I was paying attention because I'm always paying attention, but I wasn't really, you know, thinking that it had a chance, you know, the team. Um, until, like, Sunday this week, and, and I saw the points being scored. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm moving up pretty quick. I, I was actually very surprised by it. Have you, do you ever remember, Dave, I know we had last year in the Football Guys Players Championship, and I forget – the guy's name, uh, he didn't end up winning it. But coming into the championship round, he wasn't. He was so far down, like like a, a thousand. Uh, like he, he was. He was so, like a thousand. Yeah, and he and he and he put up a two, like a two thirty nine or something like that in yeah. week fourteen, and he was leading the whole thing. Wow. Um, I remember he beat cancer too. That's it was such a great story, and I can't I can't remember who it was, but that was probably that that was the most. I, yeah. I mean, how terrible well, I think that, that right? was a bigger accomplishment. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Listen, I started uh, at I, mean, I started at 285, you know, after the first uh, 13 weeks. So I mean, I, I was way back. Yeah, it, it's it's I mean, 278 spots. I think it, as far as the main event goes, I can't remember anybody advancing uh, that far o- over a two week span. It's been an incredible rise for you, no question, Neil. Uh, I'm I want to ask you here about one of the most. Um, Talked about names, I guess you could say, here in championship week. It's, it's Juju Smith-Schuster, and he's got a groin injury. He, uh, he heard it in practice yesterday. He goes through the walkthrough in practice today. He doesn't really practice. Now, um, Antonio Brown said that he expects Smith-Schuster to be out there. We don't know. It's a late game. I, I'm kind of wondering how you're going to handle this. Uh, it seems like looking at your roster, Jamal Williams would probably be the next guy up that you can put in, a, in flex, but Jamal Williams plays at 1 o'clock. Uh, on Sunday, how are you? Uh, how are you planning on handling this Smith Schuster thing? Well, luckily, I have Tyler Lockett, so I'm definitely going to start Tyler Lockett if Juju doesn't play, because I'm already going to put Jamal Williams in in the lineup no matter what. Um, so Jamal Williams is going to start regardless. He's at one o'clock, and then it's either going to be Juju or Tyler Lockett. And I hope for a kick return. Plus, Kansas City doesn't really have a good, you know, secondary. So. That's the plan. And yeah, Tyler good. Lockett's overdue for a kick return. Yeah, no, he is. That's a good point, too. And Lockett is a guy that, for whatever reason, it just seems to be his year because he's, he's seemingly finding the end zone quite a bit um, when he, uh, he, he, you know, not in proportion to the, the targets and the catches he's getting. He's getting yeah. a high rate of touchdowns. And, and it just, I mean, 2018, really, it's, a, it's been a breakout year for him. And if you had him on your roster like you do, I mean, you're enjoying the spoils of that for sure. I mean, I'd much rather have Juju play, but at least I have a viable option. You know, somebody who's going to play and potentially, you know, have some stats. Talking with Neil Hassett, who is seventh place overall in the FFPC main event here on the championship week edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Looking at this team, Neil, you you really built a a hell of a good team uh, without taking a tight end until round 12 when you made O.J. Howard your selection there. Uh, when you consider the tight end premium format of the FFPC, is that pretty typical for you, or was this unique where, where you didn't draft the tight end until that late? I think it was just draft-specific. Um, you know, tight ends were going really early. Um, George Kittle went in the ninth round. That was somebody who I might, might have looked at. Um, in the tenth round, I was tempted to take a tight end, but I really needed Aaron Jones because I had taken Jamal Williams early. And uh, I really thought that I would need both of those guys, so I passed on a tight end. I was happy to have O.J. Howard. I think if he didn't get hurt, uh, he, he, he would have been fantastic. He had a stretch where he was really effective. And the half a point 
differential for tight end, sometimes I think people focus too much on that, and they take too many tight ends early, and I think that's a mistake. I mean, I'm starting C.J. Uzuma, however you pronounce his name, and Matt Lacoste is my backup. So you can win without a good tight end because I am living proof of that. Yeah, no question on that uh, for sure. And, uh, you, know, you know, I'm kind of curious. What do you think? Um, where do you think OJ Howard goes in next year's draft in the FFPC? Because you know he's going to get he's going to get bumped up um, based on his performance this year. Where I mean, is is OJ Howard drafted as like a top seven tight end, top five tight end, or maybe even higher? I think he's definitely in the top ten. I think Cameron Brate's a free agent, so I, I, I think OJ Howard will be the you know the the number one. He he won't even have a timeshare issue, um, and the tight end position is so thin. So I, I would have to say seven, you know, top seven, top ten at, at the at the worst. I'm uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, as long as we're talking about um, uh, the where where you drafted OJ Howard is obviously at the back end of the draft and a lot of high stakes players. You ask anybody, they love picking first, second, third. They love picking at the top uh, of the uh, you know the front end of of round one. You built a monster picking from the eleven spot. How much do you alter your draft strategy when you're selecting from the front end of the round and, and from the back end of the round? Is, I mean, is there a, a major difference uh, aside from the players that, you know, you're probably going to be picking different guys there uh, given that they're at opposite ends of the board? But as far as strategy goes, does that alter too much for you? I think each draft is different. You know, it, in the FFPC, it's, it's the luck of the draw wherever you draft. Um, you know, Serpentine, you usually want to be near the front, but – it, I think when you're picking 11 or 12 near the back end, you want to focus on who's available. In this particular draft, I thought that you know the wide receivers were too good to pass up. I actually wanted to go into the 11 spot, taking a running back first, and then having at least three um, wide receivers after that. It just fell that way for me, th- this particular draft. Um, but I like the wide receivers when you're drafting late. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and and I think that by and large, you know, I, in Kentucky this year in the KFFSC, I, I feel like um, for the second straight year, um, the the best teams I drafted were the ones I went zero RB on, and those just happened to be where I was drafting at at the back end uh, of the first round, like where I was drafting like ninth or later, in the leagues where I did draft, you know, top one, top two, whatever, and I got Gurley uh, on those squads or, or Saquon Barkley or whatever. Those also did very good as well. So I think it, it, it does change the roster construction a little bit, at least in the first few rounds, and, and that's sort of what I'll be implementing in, uh, in 2019 as well. Uh, Neil uh, Hassett is our guest tonight on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, was in 285th in the FFPC main event just a couple weeks ago. He's risen all the way up to 7th uh, place uh, with $250,000 on the line for the grand prize in the competition being awarded after week 16. Now, you only carried one defense and one kicker after waivers closed in, in the contest this year, Neil. Why was it more important to you to keep these extra running backs, tight ends, receivers? Why was it more important to keep those guys around instead of a backup kicker or, or maybe a second defense so you could play matchups? Can you tell us a little bit about that thought process? Well, I do have Dan Bailey on my team, so I do have a backup to Greg Zerline. Um, however, the defense... I looked at Tennessee's schedule, and I really liked Tennessee's schedule late in the season, and it even got better when Washington's quarterback got hurt. So um, I was pretty lucky that 
Tennessee's defense, uh, you know, it became more attractive. Also, Justin Jackson was available in week in week 13, and I I had to get him. I happened to got you know I got lucky and got him, and I needed some tight end depth because I only had uh, CJ and Lacoste, so I picked up uh, Everett from the Rams. But I, I I do have a backup kicker. You know, I I don't like to not have a backup kicker. Uh, you know, I think that's a mistake. But tight so end, like, know, defenses don't get hurt. Defense, team defenses right. don't get hurt. So I, I don't think you need a backup defense if you have one that has good matchups all the way through. And then, I mean, I mean like when you're kind of loading up your roster um, for the, you know, the first, you know, the final few weeks of waivers, it's kind of important to, to look at that championship round um, matchups for those defenses yes. because if they are good and then they are solid – boom, you just got kind of a bonus roster spot because you know you're going to play that defense all three weeks, and now you have an extra route. You mean keep another quarterback, keep another tight end, or what what have you. It makes a lot of sense. I'm totally with you, though. I mean, i got to have a backup kicker. And, and, if, and if, I, if I get both my kickers get hurt in that three-week sprint, Neil, it's just, it, it wasn't meant to be that. Hey, exactly. Well, plus Tennessee in week 14 had Jacksonville, who benched the quarterback. The Giants, it was raining, so that was a really big advantage. And then this week... You know, I, I really like Tennessee's defense against uh, Josh Johnson. Yeah, that's going to be a good matchup, Dave, for, for the Tennessee defense taking on Josh Johnson this week. Yeah, it should be something else. Yeah. And even, you know, uh, let's talk, talking about that, talking about drafting at the back end of the draft, you know, I really I really don't think it matters what way you pick. Like the in the draft I was in, the two spot, he started with David Johnson, and he hasn't really – panned out. Um, Kelsey and Ertz were his next picks. That's good. But then you start with Golden Tate and Allen Robinson, uh, Randall Cobb. Those are your wide receivers. That, to me, that that's not really you know, uh, the best way to handle a draft. So I you can make a mistake at number two, you, you know, or, or you could draft a great team from number two. <laughs> it's totally true. That's, that's 100% correct. Um, Todd Gurley is, is a big name that we're watching this weekend. Now, you're probably... Uh, hoping for, for you know, your own personal sake that, that he doesn't play since you do not have to count on him this weekend to win that FBC main event. If he does miss, would you recommend, and I know these guys outside of John Kelly probably were not rostered prior to waivers being closed, but if, if somebody's playing in a league where they still could get these guys, C.J. Anderson, John Kelly, Justin Davis, any other Rams rusher against uh, you know, a good matchup uh, against the Cardinals, would you recommend any of those guys being played if Gurley is, in fact, inactive? Well, I don't think – well, Davis is not going to play. Um, C.J. Anderson was cut by the Raiders, so I think he's washed. But if you, if, if you have no other choice because there's so many injuries, then, you know, if you have to plug him in, that's fine. But I think John Kelly will be the most effective uh, running back. Uh, he looked good in the preseason. He has fresh legs. And, um, you know, I think if that was the choice, I would go with John Kelly. So, Neil, Julio actually misses week 16. you think Calvin Ridley is a must-start at Carolina? Well, I would say yes. Um, he hit the rookie wall, I think, in, in you know late in the season, like week 10, 11, 12, 13. He hasn't really done much. I, I, I think Sanu is kind of a sneaky start. But I think most people who have Ridley, if, if Julio is out, they're going to play Ridley. And neither team have anything to play for, so I think Ridley will do fine. I don't think he'll have a monster game, but I, but I think he'll, he'll do fine. You know, without as long as we're talking about that game, Neil, how do you handicap the, the Panthers' offense with, with no Cam Newton and you have Taylor Heineke in there uh, slinging the rock around? You know, everybody's going to play Christian McCaffrey, no question there. 
Is there any other value with like DJ Moore, Devin Funches, Ian Thomas, any of those guys? Are, are, I mean, can you trust? You probably can't trust them. Would you be willing to start any of those guys in a pinch, or are they just let's stay away because we just don't know what's what's going to happen with that offense? I think DJ Moore is a really good start because I think him and the quarterback. Um, We'll have a nice connection. The way you know he doesn't have a strong arm, the quarterback, and um, Moore could kind of run slants and you know um, wide receiver screens. So DJ Moore to me is the only other guy worth looking at. Neil, let's get to some emails that that uh, that came in for you over the last couple of days from some listeners. I'm going to go with to Brandon in Oakland first. He writes, "Any faith in Sterling Shepard this week with no Odell Beckham? Good luck in the main." That is Brandon in Oaktown, California. So uh, your thoughts, Neil, on, on what we can expect um, from Sterling Shepard this week. Is it going to be any different than what we've seen the last two weeks with no Odell Beckham? I, I wouldn't really trust Sterling Shepard. I'm a big Giant fan. Um, he hasn't done much. And, you know, the Colts have a good defense. They do have one cornerback who I think can shut down a wide receiver on the other side. So I really wouldn't start him unless I had no other options. Dave, I know you don't like Sterling Shepard. Got that right. Uh, and I don't think you can say the uh, descriptors, uh, the descriptors that you've given Sterling Shepard over the last month or so on the air, um, because they have not been kind. Yeah, I mean it's just super frustrating. The guy's supposed to be this all right, you know, this up and coming young player, polished route runner. Yeah, and he's, he's terrible. You know, you, you miss, you're losing 12 targets a game with Beckham, and he comes out and he's just terrible. He can't do anything. And if they try and play him outside, he's not. Apparently, doesn't know how to play outside. Right. And they don't he's use him the spot enough. So. Yeah, exactly. And, they, and then they're not using him. I mean, stick some other piece of crap way out. To, you know, anybody you want way out on, on the outside. Just put Shepard in the middle and, and have him on the slot. Bring back Brandon Marshall. Put him on the outside. Whoever. Yeah. Who, yeah, who was the other, like, super tall guy? Was, like, Hakeem Nix? No, like, it was like... Plaxico Burris? It wasn't Doriel Green Beckham, but he had a similar name. Like, remember, it was like one of those... And he was I, on the Giants? Yeah, for a little while. Um, he was a hype guy. He was like 6'5", 240. Um, no, it's not, not, not ringing any bells. It's, it's not resonating. Uh, no. Let's move... That's how bad he was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jerry in Minneapolis, uh, for you, Neil, here, he writes, is it crazy for me to flex out Eli McGuire in my league championship? I am assuming I'm going to be down girly. That is Jerry in Minneapolis. Well, depending upon your other options is what we always like to say on the show, uh, and he doesn't list any here. But what do you think about McGuire this week, uh, Neil, as, as he uh, hosts the uh, Green Bay Packers uh, at home? Uh, your thoughts on I like McGuire? McGuire. I, I like McGuire very much. Uh, I'm from New York. I watch all the Jet games. I he has he is gonna have like 90% of the backfield to himself or 80%, and I I think that just workload and alone he'll do very well. It's kind of similar to a Jamal Williams. Neil, so I'm, I'm kind of curious. Of- we we we, uh, we that that uh, I'm totally on board with uh, as well as far as McGuire goes. Um, we uh, we should ask this at the top of the show, but. What what are your plans for watching the the games this weekend um, with so much on the line and and obviously it's going to come down to a Christmas Eve game uh, with the Broncos and Raiders. How do you plan on uh, taking in the festivities this weekend? I'm going to probably have some wine and beer and some some other liquor and try to relax and not watch uh, every every game, not get too upset. I am concerned about Philip Lindsay against Oakland. Um, on Monday night, it's going to come down to that, and uh, he he's been good. It seems like the last few weeks he's gotten a little, he he's hitting the wall a little bit. So I'm I'm hoping that he's uh, he's 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 kind of tired, but um, yeah, I you know I think I'm just going to do some drinking, 
and hope for the best. Yeah, no, Liz, that, that's, uh, that's what we plan on uh, doing as well, for sure. Um, <laughs> Neil, when, when, talking about Lindsay here for a second, this is a guy who, if you look at rankings, um, I, I would say throughout the majority of the season, probably the last two-thirds of the season, he's been a consensus, like, top 12 guy um, last few weeks, like, top six, top seven rank uh, running back each week, it seems like. As far as 2019 drafts go, does the second round seem right for Lindsay next year, assuming that they, they come back with this Freeman-Lindsay backfield? I don't know about second, maybe third. I think it depends on the coaching staff because they're going to change the whole coaching staff. And if Mike Shanahan is the coach, you know, he he's kind of the running back whisperer, so maybe it would be a second. Um, but I think maybe, you know, without the new coach, I, I would say third. It's frustrating to me. It seems like Lindsey should catch more passes than he does, and he, for whatever reason, yeah. he just does not to get a lot of catches out of the back. I mean, he gets some. He's not like um, Michael Turner or anything like that, but he uh, he. Uh, it just seems like he could be doing more there. Dave, it's one. Tough to be frustrated with Lindsey when he's like complimentary. No, I, he's got yeah. X number of things. Right. No, and I get. I'm not complaining. Uh, he's been he's been wonderful a wonderful selection for or, uh, pick up off the waiver wire for me this year. Um, it's just one of those things where I always want more, Dave. I always want more. That's Final right. question for Neil uh, from you tonight, good sir. All right, you know, we need some help here. There's so many injuries, so many, you know, good players that aren't playing and crappy players that are. So this is one of the ones we always ask. So give us a guy that a lot of high-stakes players will be starting this week that they should probably be actually benching. And also a sleeper player that deserves to be in lineups this week that some people aren't really thinking about. Well, I, you know, I'm not comfortable starting Melvin Gordon, personally. I think most people that have him will play him because he's Melvin Gordon, but it's a really tough matchup, and he said he's not 100% himself. Um, I, I don't trust the coach saying that he looks great. I mean, with that being said, you really can't sit the guy, but I don't really think he's going to do well. Mike Evans is another guy I, I, I don't have high expectations for, but again, you know, I don't think you're going to sit him because most people don't have that depth. Uh, and George Kittle, too. George Kittle against the Bears. The Bears are really good against the tight end. And I think now that he had that breakout game, they're really going to focus on Kittle because they don't have a lot of other offensive weapons for the defense to focus on. Um, and I'm also rooting personally against Kittle because I don't have him. Uh, so <laughs> th those are my fades. As far as sleepers, I, I think Corey Davis, although it looks like he has a, a bad matchup, I think Corey Davis is um, – going to have a good game. And I like DJ Moore, as we spoke about before. McGuire on the Jets. Robbie Anderson, I think, will have a good game. And Chris Hogan, I think, could be on taken out of mothballs because of the uh, Josh Gordon injury. I mean, uh, the suspension. Yeah, I, right. Yeah, and I, I'm with you on Robbie Anderson for sure. He's a guy I really like in, in Week 16. Um, one guy that we, we haven't talked about yet is Melvin Gordon's real-life teammate, Keenan Allen. Um, he, he had that hip pointer last week. Sounds like he's going to be ready to go. Well, obviously no, um, because he plays uh, a Saturday night game this week. So you all have plenty of time to, to um, you know, find a replacement for him if he, is, uh, if he does sit. Sounds like he's going to go. If you owned him, Neil, would you be trotting Keenan Allen out there at the risk of, of him getting hurt again? If I had to, I would. But if I didn't have to, I definitely wouldn't. I mean, I think if I had a healthier alternative, I would. And the coach said he's a game-time decision. So, um, it's he's had a checkered past when it comes to injuries. You never know when it's going to flare up again. But, again, most of the time you're going to have to play him because I doubt that somebody has, you know, five, six, you know, startable wide receivers. 
Um, but if it was a toss-up, I'd probably lean against starting him and start the healthier guy. Awesome stuff, Neil. I really appreciate it. Neil Hassett, ladies and gentlemen, seventh-place team in the FFPC main event heading into championship week. Uh, listen, my friend, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, enjoy the liquor, the beer, the wine, and the football uh, this weekend. And happy holidays to you. Best of luck to you in the main event and in all your leagues, and, and hopefully we can talk again soon. You too, guys. Thank you very much. I hope I'll be holding a giant check at some point. That, yeah. that would be wonderful. Yeah. We're rooting for you, buddy. Happy holidays. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Neil, and happy holidays to you and yours for sure. Neil Hassett, seventh place in the FFPC main event in championship week. Dave, we, uh, we haven't really talked about our teams, um, our personal teams, uh, too much on this show. How are you doing in um, – you have five dynasty championships you're playing in this weekend? Oh, uh, yeah. I, got, I, I was in um, – I'm in eight private dynasty leagues. I was actually in six semis, and I actually got lucky enough to win five. Right. Um, so you almost won all six. Almost won all six. The McCaffrey catch, I was, I was going against two McCaffreys, and I owned four, and the last catch cost me that one. Um, you know, I was looking at the Car- our favorite league, the Carrington League. Which you're playing for the title in for the I, second, third straight year. Congratulations. Well, so this, I only have four receivers on that team right. for whatever reason. Yeah. Keenan Allen, yep. Brandon Cook, uh-huh. Tyreek Hill, right. and Juju. Yep. And you have to start three wide receivers. Might be a problem for so, you. So today I benched Juju for Allen. Right. But if Allen doesn't play, I might only have two receivers to start. Well, I mean, I, here's the thing. At least the decision will be made for you then at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I know Juju's benched. I'm going to try and start Allen. So, I, I, don't, think, I don't think Juju's going to play. I really don't. And that is my personal the third, feeling. The Thursday well. going injury is just, you know, it's not good. Well, and it's a new injury, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it was something that he hurt in practice. It's a late game, by the way. He, it's it's, 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 it's a early. No, it's, it's a 425 game on, on right. Sunday, not right. the – Sunday night game is Kansas City and well, late by later. Oh, yeah, where you went? I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Um, uh, well, I was just gonna say, oh, he did another thing. Juju did not speak to the media today either. Yeah, they didn't want him to. Yeah, so he's. I just don't think he sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we don't know for sure, but I, even with my wishful thinking, I just don't think he's playing. I don't think he's really playing either. I would agree. Um, with you on both of those, and it's an unfortunate thing. It's just one of those things you got to roll with. How about in uh, Kentucky? You ha- do you still have a top ten team uh, there right now? Yeah, Game Changers ninth. Ninth place. And it has both Juju and Gurley. That's a problem. <laughs> Damn it. Well, I'm glad I brought this up. This is uh, a huge <laughs> buzzkill for this for this segment. Do you have decent replacements there? Um, I mean, like guys that you'd feel okay as as not flex. Really, no, no, no. Not. I mean, I'd, Sterling Shepard is one of them. I think. Yeah, that's not good. Who I don't really. I mean, he's had you know Shepard to be you know whatever. He's had a couple of big games this year, early in the season. I mean, so and he's been getting targets, so there is that. Right. Um, I, my other if I get Gurley out of there, I I can throw in Riddick, which is not great. I mean, the thing is, I had Tyler Boyd, but then he got hurt too, so it's like. Oh I mean, God. Yeah. You know, that's uh, kind of where you're at. <laughs> Riddick is hosting the Vikings this week, so maybe there'll be some dump offs there. If yeah. They're, if yeah. they're playing catch up, which yeah. I mean they should, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean I own, I own a lot of Juju, I own a lot of Gurley, so it's problematic for me. You know, I mean I could do very well at being all five and lose four of the five or all five potentially. So yeah. Second place pays better than third or fourth, like we were saying. That before. that is that's uh, that's what to uh, what to believe right now uh, for sure. Let's get into the uh, news uh, around the NFL right now, Dave, on Fantasy Flash. Thanks to football guys, Roto World, Roto Pass, and Rob for tonight's rundown. Rams coach Sean McVay said Todd Gurley will be indeed a game-time decision for the Cardinals game, according to Rich Hammond on Twitter. 
Gurley did not practice all week. He had knee inflammation. Now, he is scheduled to go through a pregame warm-up, um, and depending upon how he does in that, uh, he could be active. Uh, like you heard from uh, from Neil Hassett just now, Justin Davis is not going to play. C.J. Anderson could be in for a lot of carries, even if Gurley is active. Um, but this is a, a real kick to the groin here if you own Todd Gurley. And the other thing to make it even worse it is a 405 game, and I think that you have to weigh your options here. And and Dave and I are both telling you, like, well, I'll, I'll put a percentage chance on this. I think he's probably got about maybe maybe, and this might be uh, being a little bit kind. I think he's maybe got a 30% chance of playing. Yeah, I mean that seems well, right? I mean, like for example, just the Riddick decision. Riddick's a one o'clock game. So if I hear something from whether it's Schefter or the rap sheet or whatever, and they say right. that. Uh, Gurley or feeling good, he's looking like he's going to actually, you know, assuming the warm-up goes okay, he's going to give it a go. Right. Then I'll actually read the TVs and, and give it a shot and more than, more than 50%. But if they say, you know, it's looking tentative, we're not really, you know, we don't, don't really think it's Knee swelled up overnight or you something know, that, like that. You know, that's for sure. But, I mean, if they even say, we just, you know, we're not feeling too good, optimistic about it. Right. Or the Rams feel like they can make, you know, make a game of it without him, that type of thing. Um, I would think actually that Cooks might be a slightly better start with Gurley if Gurley's out. I mean, if you want to be a little bit optimistic. So. Or Josh Reynolds. I guess. <laughs> he's um, still Josh Reynolds. Yeah, that's true. Everybody likes to think he's so good. He's like a poor, poor, poor man Galladay. Always hyped up and always under, you know, kind of under I, I, I don't feel like he gets near the hype that Galladay uh, gets. Um, yeah, I mean, even when Cup went down, I figure, oh, here comes the hype train for Josh Reynolds again. And there was some, but it really wasn't. Not too bad. Right. Yeah. Um, this is the advice I would give. Do not, I mean, like, hold out as long as you possibly can before 1 o'clock on Sunday because oftentimes after the inactives get announced at, you know, 1130 or what have you, there's kind of a lull in the news reporting. Um, you don't really hear a whole lot. Um, but then oftentimes, like, last 10 minutes, last 15 minutes right before kickoff, you might get a nugget of something, and that's, that's when you strike, and, and that's when you take advantage. You that's when you strike. <laughs> I like it. When you get the nuggets. Is when uh, is when you, you strike. At least that's what the uh, what the kids say. Uh, moving on, Juju Smith-Schuster questionable against the Saints. Ray Fittipaldo on Twitter had that story. He did not participate today, although uh, there was a walkthrough prior to practice. He did participate in that. Antonio Brown uh, said that he expects Juju Smith-Schuster to be out there, um, but it doesn't sound like it's. I, I think he has a better shot of playing than Todd Gurley, but it's definitely not significantly better. I don't know, though. I mean, do both teams – I mean, you might know this better than I am. I'm sure you do, actually. Do both teams need to win? They kind of both do for home field. Well, Pittsburgh, I mean, they, they're in a – Pittsburgh just one needs to get in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. They can't, they can't afford any losses here. And then uh, New Orleans is playing for that number one seed, so. And, yeah, and for the Rams. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, Gurley. Uh, yeah, I don't know if the Rams can get the, the number one seed anymore. I mean, they have the division locked up, I would assume. But um, there's, there's certainly – Bigger things in mind for uh, Sean McVay and the Rams, uh, I would imagine. And, and you got to believe that the opponent plays something into this as well, Dave, when you consider that the Rams are taking on Josh Rosen and the Cardinals. I think that's probably going to factor into the Gurley decision as well. It is a road game, though, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that we as, you know, bench, you know, what are we, armchair quarterbacks or whatever, we think, oh, yeah, this is an easy game. I don't think that that's how McVay thinks. I just think he's like – all right, we're going into this, you know, to the into the into Arizona. They always play tough at home. We know that we're a better team than them, but we really need to actually play it up. I can see him activating. If Gurley says oh, I'm good, 
I can see them activating him and keep putting him out in the passing game more often and just not running it to him. You know, that could be. Not running up the middle as much if they actually activate him. I'm not trying to be too optimistic. I'm just saying that I could see him doing that. Um, just, to get, just to lock up that W. Both teams are on the road, so wouldn't you think we'll find out if, I mean, if these guys don't make the trip, then clearly they're out. <laughs> yes. Hashtag analysis. <laughs> but, I mean, we should, we should, I guess my point is we should know, like, tomorrow. Wouldn't you think? Or well, they don't make the triple potentially though, yeah. tomorrow, and then you could, you know. I know that. I mean, I know Juju did the walkthrough, by the way, right? Right. He, he did the walkthrough. Right. Was, that was something, I guess. Yeah, that that is something. Um, you know, and a groin injury too for a receiver. Just how effective is he going to be if he's fighting through that? That's the other thing to keep in mind. Well, I mean, it just depends on how bad it really is. Yeah. No, that's a good point, and and we 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 clearly do not know. We don't have all the information yet. We will get more information. That is our promise to you. Michael Cohen on Twitter reporting. Jamal Williams was not listed on the Packers' final injury report for Week 16 against the New York Jets. He had a toe problem earlier in this week, but he did fully participate in practice today. Aaron Jones obviously already on IR. Capri Bibbs, Dave, the newest Packers running back. Uh, It's going to be him and Jamal Williams. They're the only two healthy running backs on the Packers roster right now. I bring this up because Williams looked pretty good against a really good defense last week. And you heard from Neil Hassett. He's playing Jamal Williams with $250,000 on the line. I think you could feel pretty good about flexing him out this week. Yeah, Williams is a pretty talented back. The Packers don't have a ton of wins, but they're a pretty solid offense regardless. Still have Aaron Rodgers there, so they have to respect that. They have to respect the passing game. I think Williams is a really solid start. And the fact that he's not on the final injury report is like a godsend. He's like one of the few players that's actually not on the injury report that was showing up early. I would start Williams with confidence for sure. I think about all the – I think about all the, the snaps he's going to get, Dave, too, because the big knock on Aaron Jones was he couldn't pass pro, and that's one of the best things Jamal Williams does. Like, he is going to get all he can handle. You think about uh, the limited touches that he's received uh, throughout the second half of the year after Aaron Jones really made his mark. Um, I don't know, man. I, I You know, Jamal Williams, is he could get 25 touches this week. It's entirely possible. Maybe, maybe even 30. I, I don't know. It's it, it, it all depends how the game flow goes, and what the Jets try to take away uh, on defense, uh, but it, that is certainly possible. The uh, Packers are a modest favorite, right? The, yeah, it, this was one of the weirdest point spreads. I think the Packers opened up as three-and-a-half-point favorites. Then they, they dropped to, like, being two-point dogs when it, was their, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't known if Aaron Rodgers was going to play, and now I think they're back up to three-point favorites again. In fact, I'm going to look it up right now, unless you have it. I'm trying to get it. So, yeah, I mean, if, if that's the case, if, you know, the game script, if they actually win on the road, which, by the way, Rodgers is, I think, 0-7 this year on the road. Yep, he has did not won a game on the, on the road yet. It opened at 3.5. It is yeah. now Packers by 2.5. 2.5, which uh, my buddy the Royals tell you that 2.5 and 3.5 and never cover. In fact, you should always bet the other way. So, just for the play, plus you, you should always take the points? Yeah. Two, really? Yeah, I guess it, it, the argument is that if it was actually – if the favorite was good enough to be three, it would be three, which means that it's not good enough and the other team is the play. You're trying to sucker the public into betting with the two and a half. Anyway, um, so I, I do think that, you know, if they're out there to win the game, you know, they're going to be running the ball up. Right. Um, related note to the Packers, Aaron Jones, uh, two-part question for you, Dizzle. What round do you think he goes in FFPC drafts next year? And if you were drafting in the FFPC or a similar high-stakes event, what round would you feel comfortable taking him in? What was his injury again, do you recall? Uh, it was a MCL sprain. Okay, so nothing too serious. No, he'll be fine. No surgery. Um, I think he'll go in the third. I probably would consider him in the round that spot. Really? You would take Okay. Okay. I guess it kind of depends on the new head coach, too. 
Yeah. In in the in the system. That Hopefully, it's North Turner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not not for the team sake, but for the running back sake. Or or uh, uh, Eric Bieniemy would would be good for for Aaron Jones. Right. Um. I think that would make a, a lot of sense. Anybody with the last name Shanahan would obviously be beneficial <laughs> there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll have all offense. Andy, do you have any assistance? Oh, the, the Kansas City's going to shut up <laughs> offensive assistance again. This, yeah. You know, whoever's quarterback coaches. It's, it's so funny how the NFL works, where it's just like you know, you you could you could just be on the staff and um, get a get a good job coaching, and it seems like the fact that they that the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, they had Kareem Hunt, they had Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all these talented players. Don't you think that that is has something to do with the success there, rather than just plucking every possible assistant coach manage, imaginable? You know, yeah. I, I feel like you should be taking the coaches who don't have a lot to work with, who maybe aren't running the top offenses in the NFL, um, but but they're getting they're squeezing the most production they can out of what they have. Those are the talented guys. That's actually true. Um, one of the, the guys I wanted to see the Packers hire, it was two guys for me that, that really stood out, was Josh McDaniels and John Filippo. And Filippo, I think, is a total, the opposite of a victim, beneficiary of being where he was in Philadelphia last year, winning a Super Bowl. And then he goes to Minnesota with better offensive weapons and maybe outside of quarterback. Um, and he doesn't even make it through a full season. I mean that's so it's just like there's no way he's getting he's getting that head coaching job I, right. I can't imagine in Green Bay. Um, listen to the show with Leo and Balky for more on the Packers head coaching search on that. Yeah, what, what's the well, can you give us a teaser? Is it well, you know, well I mean we are talking up a lot of big names by the way the Packers or people are. Well, I mean yeah because Mar- Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst have largely been silent on on you know. So we're talking about the coach from Alabama. Come on. I, that was that was an internet thing. He's that was. So I think I think here's here's what happened. I think somebody on Bleacher Report wrote an article. If I can sum it up in one sentence, like, wouldn't it be cool if Saban came up and coached the Packers? And then um, somebody took that and ran with it, and it was like a headline for another story. Report: Saban could possibly be Packers' next head coach. Right. You know. Saban to coach Packers. I, yeah, exactly. I don't. I mean, he he wouldn't, and that's not going to happen. There's there's it's some. It's like every year he gets to have like the best recruiting class in the country. Right. He effectively, gets to cheat. Yeah. Of, I mean, not saying he's cheating. I'm just saying he gets to cheat because he gets all the five star recruits he wants. Right. Hey, you don't want to play for me? Well, tough shit. I'll just find somebody else who's right. just as good as you. Yeah. So it's like you don't get that in the NFL. Why would why would you want to go to the parody of the NFL when you get to be like the guy you know like the Kim, Kimberly High School as we would call it in right. the local area where yeah. you're dominating everything. Yeah. Um, it's so much. I mean, it's so easy. There's a guy, I, and I'm gonna. This doesn't have anything to do with fantasy, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. Justin Fields. You're probably not familiar with him, Dave. He was the number one uh, top-ranked quarterback last year, uh, and he decided that he was going to commit to Georgia. And this is after Georgia had a a uh, redshirt. I think he was a redshirt freshman, and Jake Fromm had a fantastic season for him. Led him all the way to the national championship game. They were SEC champions. I really wanted Justin Fields to go to Florida State, which is one of the teams he was considering. And which I, is your, the, your team that you want. Right, and I was kind of miffed. I'm like, why would you want to go to Georgia and play behind this guy who's a year older than him? I mean, he's, and he's, he's right. the man. You know, right. he put up all he's these crushing numbers. It, right. And, it, and they've worked him in on some packages this year, um, and, and he got some playing time. Now he's going to transfer? And now there's reports coming out that he probably will transfer. What now, an idiot. Now, here's the interesting thing. <laughs> Normally you have to sit out a year unless you can – 
um, show uh, unless you can get a hardship waiver from the NCAA. Okay. Now he's already hired an attorney. He's already hired an attorney, <laughs> the same attorney who got Michigan's quarterback uh, Shea. I, I'm I can't think of his name. Shea O'Reilly. No, no, no. Um, Shea McFeely. It, no, it, come on. I'm going to look it up right now. But this is a guy who transferred from Mississippi to Michigan, and he got to play right away because he was – Shea Patterson was his name. Oh, this is my first name, though. And, yeah, <laughs> Shea Patterson transferring from the University of Mississippi up to Michigan. Um, he gets he, – No, he I'm getting Dublin. Yeah, he got the hardship waiver, yeah. and, and because he was he, – he wasn't – I think the, the report or what it said in there was he was, they, he was not – being told the entire truth about the scope of the of the the mess that Mississippi was in with a bunch of NCAA violations. Sure. So he got that. So now Justin Fields hires the same lawyer who got Patterson without without the of the year. Say, I'm just stupid. Here's the slant. I'm Apparently there is a university that gets deeper. A University of Georgia baseball team member was shouting racist things at him during a game. Now this player has since been kicked off the Georgia baseball team. But Fields is expected to potentially he, use that what's his name again? quarterback, Justin Fields. Is he white or black? He's black. It would be funny if he was white. Yeah, it would be funny. Um, <laughs> what's up, Cracker? He's, he's expected that, that it's a possibility that he could use this guy uh-huh. yelling this racist stuff at him to get a hardship waiver to transfer to a different school. Sure, he's persecuted. Yeah, uh, to transfer to a different school without having to sit out a year. That's good. All because this guy was yelling... Yeah, you know, and, and the funny thing is that guy was, uh, you know, probably paid fifty grand by the lawyer under the table. Yeah, could hey, be. Yell out racist stuff. Or, or, uh, or he was a buddy of Justin Fields. Could be. And he's like, hey, listen, I need you to do me a solid. It's going to cost you your scholarship, <laughs> but it'll be worth it for I'll me. Or, you know, I hope it works out for Justin Fields. Uh, and, and it sounds like he's, you know, because obviously Florida State's back in the picture because they couldn't sign a guy and they lost a guy on National Signing Day to North Carolina. So they have two quarterbacks right now, one of which might be turning pro. Um, and then they'd it's only have one, no one scholarship uh, quarterback. Uh, but it sounds like he's going to go to Ohio State. Which, uh, by the way, Urban Meyer, did you see he's uh, going to be teaching a class on character and leadership at Ohio State now? That's hilarious. That's like when James Comey was going to teach some sort of class on, uh, on ethics, I think, at some school. It's like... Uh, the FBI director, I believe, you know, whenever your politics are, you got to admit that's the case. Um, it's like um, if I was to teach a course on how to not be charming and ugly... <laughs> That, yeah, very funny. Yeah, I mean, that's... Of course, I'm broadcasting. It, well, well, come on. That's, <laughs> not, that's not true. Rashad Penny is questionable for Week 16 against Kansas City, according to John Boyle on Twitter. Pete Carroll said earlier this week that his status was uncertain, uh, but then the Seahawks went out and got Bo Scarborough from Alabama Crimson Tide off of Jacksonville's practice squad as Penny Insurance. Well, hey, the Seahawks got another running back? Yeah, absolutely. That's hilarious. Yeah. Chris Carson obviously looks really, really good if Penny does miss. Um, the three games that he has missed this year, um, Chris Carson has combined for 75 touches in those games. So that looks really good. Kansas City allowing a ton of points uh, um, to opposing running backs. you got to get Chris Carson in your lineup, I guess, is what this comes down to. He looks like a poise for a big game against Kansas City. Yeah, I totally agree, actually. I totally agree. Carson is a must-start this week. Unless, the only reason he's not... You have him in a couple of spots in Kentucky, I thought. I do, but I mean, the only reason you wouldn't start him is if you want to go against the grain because other people have him. But a lot of people, a lot of teams up there have Carson. He had a big week last week, too. 
I wonder how that back. I mean, I, I know we're in championship week. I wonder how that backfield looks in 2019 as far as where Penny and Carson get drafted. I wonder who the play is in that backfield. Carson. Who do you think gets drafted first, Carson? You know, to be honest with you, I said Carson just instinctively. I'm not sure. That's a really tough one, to be honest, uh, because of the draft position. But Carson's playing really, really well. I mean, he's a good back. And Peppa, Peppa, truthfully, Penny's a good back right. as well. What about this? Let, no, throw, no, here we go. let me throw this scenario at you. Do you know who David Montgomery is? Uh, Ty Montgomery's brother? No. He's <laughs> uh, running back for Iowa State. There's a chance that he might be the only first-round running back this year. It's not a great class for running back. Yeah, for that. What would happen, Dave, if Seattle traded up in the first round to select David <laughs> Montgomery? <laughs> Can you imagine? Nobody uh, would know what to do with those two guys. Oh, great. man, that would be so entertaining. And and I was like, oh, we really like him. I gotta tell you, you no, know, he'd be like this. <laughs> yeah, we really like him. Um, there is a non-zero chance of that happening too. By the way, I could totally. See, I yeah, mean, I know they're kooky. They are kooky. They they do things different in Seattle, um, for sure. Uh, SNY's Ralph Vacchiano reports that Le'Veon Bell wants to sign with the Colts this offseason. A source told Vacchiano that he has his eyes on the Colts. No doubt about that. He sees Andrew Luck in that offense and all that cap room. He wants to go someplace he can win right away. The Jets obviously also are a team that has been mentioned several times in the pursuit of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, you know, these are guys that they drafted in the 2017 and 2018 drafts respectively. I feel like there are much better ways for the Colts to spend their money. However, Dave, if Le'Veon Bell does go to the Colts next year, Top five selection in the draft, right? In in fantasy drafts. Yeah, we have to. Well, he's in the he's in the mix, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, sitting a, a year off, um, it's just something. It does, it's not nothing. I mean, I know it wasn't for any anything nefarious or anything like that. But you know, Bell's a little bit of a whack job, and yeah, he's a, he's like a not a second tier, he's like a third tier whack job. He's got, he's got, so this is interesting. He's let's, got to have that pot. You know, he got caught with the pot with his buddy. Or let's whatever. dive into this a little bit. So he's a third-tier whack job. Can you give me an example of a second-tier whack job? <laughs> so somebody who's not... Look, I, don't, I, don't want to get, I don't want to get too deep. So some, somebody who is not, you know, batshit crazy, um, and, uh, but, but they're obviously crazier than Le'Veon Bell. Who would you, who'd you put in that category? I, I might need a minute to think about it. I'm just, like... I, I mean, we know the first-tier guy. Okay, well, who's the first-tier? Gordon. Gordon's the first-tier. Well, I mean, in truth, in truth, I actually think you know whatever people are going to laugh at me. I think Kareem Hunt is like a second-tier whack job. I think he made like one big mistake and well, or, or three. Whatever. Yeah, maybe maybe there's three. Yeah. Maybe he is first. He, I think he's first. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So Hunt. I'm, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to think of someone who's like had had an infraction. I would I would put like um, I don't know. I don't have. I don't really have a good second-tier guy right now. Are, are we strict? Are we talking strictly um, fantasy or NFL? Because like Ruben Foster, I think is first tier, but he for fantasy it's. It's it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I don't. I'm, there's players I don't really know that well. Our third. Who who do we say was the third tier whack job? Le'Veon Bell. Okay. Yeah. I I think like the third tier. Like okay. So like Clinton Portis comes to mind. But he, now he never was really suspended or anything. Like okay, Des Bryant to me is the second. tier whack job, Des Bryant. I could see that. All right. So now I'm, I'm kind of. I think I could. Chad Chad Johnson back then it was kind of like a second tier. See whack. now he to me would be like third or fourth because these guys were they, they didn't do anything that was detrimental for fantasy <laughs> or, or to, to their, their team. Career and their team. Yeah, I mean like they just like Clinton Portis with the, all those characters he'd come up with in the press conferences. 
I mean, that, like, didn't hurt anybody, but you're like, okay, well, this guy's, you know. I could argue that Cam Newton's kind of a third-tier whack job. Because of, of his, he, uh. He has the characters, but, you know, he's like with his dress and just his, how he acts. But he's not too crazy or anything like that. Uh, Aunt Jemima pipes in. Ricky Williams. What what tier would he be? Is he second tier? Because <laughs> he retired I, early I, to smoke weed. Yeah, I actually think he is second tier because he went out on his own terms. You know what I mean? And by the way, I, I'd like to, again, congratulate. I've said this many times. Yeah. I'd like to congratulate Lenny Papano and Draft, draft Sharks, Sharks yep. for naming Ricky Williams their Draft Sharks bust of the year. And 36 hours later, Ricky Williams retired. And uh, they took that as a, as a successful nomination of the you draft. draft. It's like early August. So if you drafted August 12th, you know, 20th, or whatever the hell it was, hey, good job. You didn't draft the Ricky Williams because you had the bust. Well, for those. I want my $29 back for that year. Hey, listen. I want my refund. In those 36 hours, did you. Uh, no, I didn't have any draft. Did, exactly. So he, they saved you. <laughs> you know, you, you didn't draft any Ricky Williams. Uh, he um, 2012 is when he, um, he when he retired apparently. <laughs> right. Um, which I thought it was earlier than that because I was bouncing at a bar when I saw the report come on. Bouncing no longer takes steroids. You, you <laughs> yeah, no, I never, I never. Used to bench like 420. Yeah, that's definitely not the case. <laughs> um, I feel like I was bouncing that night and they they flashed it up on the screen and I didn't think it was real and all of a sudden my phone started blowing up. Um, yeah, so it was before that. So. Before 2000, it was 2004. When he got drafted. No. Um, no. May 14th, he tested positive for okay. marijuana. Oh, no, he tested positive for marijuana in December of 2003, and he was facing a year suspension of the 2004 season. And um, so he was not going to be eligible to play. Then he returned to the Dolphins on 2000, in 2005. Um, and then he – here's, here's the line, Dave. February 20th, 2006, the NFL announced Williams had violated the NFL drug policy for the fourth time. <laughs> um, and then uh, he was suspended for the entire 2006 season. So there you go. That, and that's So it was 2006. All right. Good call on that. Was that right? That was 2006. 2006, yeah, 2006 season. He was their, he was their bust, first-round bust. <laughs> that's funny. Um, all right, let's get into fantasy uh, feedback here. Boy, we are really off the rails tonight. I hope everybody enjoys this uh, makes, makes it good. championship week podcast. We're helping literally nobody. Um, let's, no help. let's help Ryan and Toledo then. All right, good. Hey, guys, maybe this goes without saying, but if Hilton is active, do I play him? It seems like he's left games mid-game with injuries before, and he's already banged up. I don't want to screw this up. Good luck in your matchups, except for Balky, who I know has never had a meaningful Week 16 game. That is Ryan and Toledo. Thank you for the shade, Ryan. Appreciate that. Dave is going to answer this question because uh, clearly you don't want my opinion. Oh uh, yeah, I think you got you got you know, given what's going on, you got to throw T.Y. Hilton out there. If he's playing, he's starting. You got to play. T.Y. Hilton is at home against the New York Giants this week. That is what the kids call a plum matchup, and. Risk of re-injury or not, it is it pales in comparison to the ceiling that you get from Hilton. So I don't think I own Hilton anywhere. If I did, it'd be real, real tough to find two receivers I like better than him on that same roster. I think he's going to have a, a big week 16. Totally agree. By the way, I traded T.Y. Hilton to a sports betting man for a Cooper Cup uh, before the season started. Still pretty happy about that trade, even though I lost Cup's injury. And I still Coming think Hilton, Hilton did well. Well, you know, the great thing about Cooper Cup, Dave, is uh, he's sneaky fast. So even when he comes back from this, he'll still have – he's got a high football IQ. Four, seven wheels. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he, but he's sneaky fast. He is, he is a really polished route runner. 
Um, what are you trying to get at? That he's white. <laughs> I don't, you, you know, I don't know if the word sneaky is the word you use for the for the white receivers. No, that is what you use, sneaky fast. Oh, is it? Yeah, he's, he's like uh, he doesn't look it, but he's sneaky fast. <laughs> uh, moving on, Jim, and I'm gonna botch this up. Conshohocken, Pennsylvania. Uh, Dear Dave and Balky, how do you feel about Matt Breida gutting out another game this week in a tough matchup against the Bears at home? Does he make does he make your flex worthy list? Thank you for the email, Jim, and I'll just say Pennsylvania. So Matt Breida, this is a guy that that the 49ers have failed to protect him from himself. They and I think they leave this up That's to him. That's pretty funny, actually. I mean, it's totally serious. I went off on the Packers for uh, this week on, on the show with Leo and Balky in 99 won the score because. They, they are failing to protect Aaron Rodgers from himself. Somebody needed to do it. Nobody's doing it. Same thing's happening in San Francisco. And the same thing's happening, uh, been happening for the 49ers with Matt Breida the entire second half of the season. This guy needs to take a few games off, get that ankle right. What he should be doing right now is just going on IR and getting the ankle right in preparation for the 2019 season. I don't like him this week as a flex, Dave. Uh, I'd probably try and find somebody else. I mean, they're at home against the Bears, getting four points in a low-scoring game, close 43, which means they are projected to score 19 and a half, I think, if my math is right. And so that's not that good. I mean, the, you know, the Bears' rush defense is solid. And, you know, Breed is not all that – I mean, he's really not all that great. What level of uh, whack job would Aaron Rodgers be? Fifth <laughs> level? Uh, fourth. Fourth, okay. Fair enough. He's not, he's not too wacky. <laughs> John in Waukegan, Illinois. I've been playing Kyle Rudolph all season, but he has not done much for me. Do I roll the dice with Chris Herndon instead with everything on the line? Thanks, HSFFers. That is John in Waukegan, Illinois. Dave, I'm going to tell you the most disappointing part about my Week 16 in the leagues I'm still alive in. I have a shocking, shocking amount of teams that have Kyle Rudolph as the starting tight end and does not make me feel good at all. Now, am I prepared to start Chris Herndon over Kyle Rudolph this week. I think it's a decision I have to make on one of my rosters. And, Dave, I think I'm going to play Herndon over Kyle Rudolph this week. Herndon uh, at home against the uh, Packers. Kyle Rudolph taking on the um, Lions. Yeah, you know, Herndon is actually a, a, he's a really dynamic tight end for, you know, as a rookie. He's, he's putting up really good points, actually. Did, didn't we bring this up on this show last week where yeah. he was one, he was ballyhooed? Uh, in the in the pre-draft process. Yeah, he was one of those Rotoviz guys on their in their pre-draft tight end going to be awesome article, whatever the hell model they call it. Right. Um, yeah, he was one of them. He's actually, I think he's going to be a really good uh, good tight end over in the long run. And they're using him a lot. The receivers are terrible. And Newman's out as always. Right. So why not? Yeah, give it a shot. And you know, Darnold's playing pretty well too. He has 13 catches over his last four games for a total of about 150 yards. Um, no touchdowns over that span. I mean, I, I don't. You can't get too excited. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying Herndon's a slam dunk over Kyle Rudolph, but um, especially if you want to create some variance, um, eh, Herndon could be a he could be an interesting guy this week. I think well, I would play him over Rudolph. Well, week 12 to 15, Herndon has outscored Rudolph by a total of 0. .4 fantasy points. So there you have it. So it's like a coin flip, basically. And yeah, are coin, you, coin flip of garbage. Are you saying Herndon, then, over uh, Rudolph? Yeah, I mean, just because Rudolph is a better player, I guess. So I, if you start Rudolph, like, I guess he got you there, sort of. 
Well, but I mean, he's like he's like the fourth. You got ball. there in spite of Kyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dalvin Cook, you have Thielen, you have Diggs, and it's like they throw a roof only on actors. No, so they got that other tight end there that they they've been throwing to too. That that rookie, I, it, his name escapes me. He's got the long blonde hair. Uh, I I can't think of what his name well, is. How's his ass? Is it pretty nice? It's all right. I mean, he could probably be in the weight room a little bit more, but I mean, he's, he's a young guy. He'll find his way. Charming young man. Yeah, I'm sure he is. He looks a little yeah. bit like uh, Thor from uh, those video games. He's very, movies. he's very well read. <laughs> Political science major. That's correct. Steve in Sugarland, Texas. I know you're supposed to start with who, with who got you to the title game, but I don't feel good about Goff this week. Would y'all still roll with him over Mayfield? That is Steve in Sugarland, Texas. Negative. Uh, I would play Mayfield over Jared Goff this yeah, week. Yeah, I would play Mayfield. Oh, okay. All right. I thought we were going. I thought Sorry, we were going. Right. Yeah, no. You should have said positive. Whatever. So we both say Mayfield over Goff this week. You know, it's weird. And I don't know if I have a good reason why I feel this way. But they're taking on the Cardinals. They're probably not going to have Todd Gurley. You would think that means more for Goff, more action for Goff. I don't necessarily know if it does. Um, and Baker Mayfield against a, a horrible, horrible defense. I really like that matchup better than Jared Goff's. And yeah, I like, and plus, I just like that he's at home, so he's nice, comfortable, and probably quiet while he's throwing passes, slinging it all over the place. You know, Arizona fans will be loud, even though they're big dogs in that game. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, Goff has just been struggling too much for me. Right, yeah. So, uh, let's pop into the chat room real quick. Aunt Jemima wants to know, he's got a tight end question this week, Dave. Would you be playing Evan Engram or would you be playing Rob Gronkowski this week? Evan Engram at the uh, Indianapolis Colts, Rob Gronkowski taking on the Bills at home. I'd play, I'd play Gronk. I mean, you, you lost Gordon, which isn't a big deal. I mean, it wasn't that many targets. Gronk, actually, everybody, everybody is crapping all over Gronk. Like, he looks so bad. I think... Uh, Evan Sola had a funny joke. He was talking about him looking like the reincarnation of Frankenstein's monster or something like that. But the truth of the matter is, the reason Gronk had a kind of a poor game last week is they were hitting him at the line, and then they were, they were doubling him downfield, right. which means he's still actually awesome that they're double-teaming this guy who supposedly washed up. I think Gronk gets right, even against Buffalo. Buffalo's really good against wide receivers. I, I think he'll have an actually pretty solid game. I think Brady will hit him a few number of times. I'm with you on Gronk. I, I think it's very close between the two. It, what, what makes this decision so compelling is you are you're, these two tight ends um, are, are playing on teams that have lost their number one receiver uh, this, either this week or previous. No Beckham in New York. Right. No Gordon in, in New England. So we don't know exactly know how that's going to play out. I am going to play Gronk. Uh, going back to the whole Eric Falkman self-deprecating um, theory of who to start and who to bench, who would you feel worse about if you benched? I'd feel worse if Gronk went off on my bench than Engram went off on my bench. So I am playing Gronk. Plus, you have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Oh, Eli. I get it. That's, that's very funny. Um, here's, in, in 10 years, we're going to look back, and he'll be in there, and I'll be like, what the hell happened? Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, Eli Manning will be the guy when, like, I, this, this doesn't happen because you know if you're going to the – Pro Football Hall of Fame, but Eli Manning would be the guy who would get up to give his Hall of Fame speech, and he'd be like the guy patting his suit jacket, like I, I, I didn't prepare anything. Uh, I literally, I thought this was a joke the whole time, uh, but apparently I do have to give a speech. Uh, dear Stephen Anquan, tough call for me this week at my third wideout. Lockett or Fitz? Who you got? 
Thanks, guys. Your show has really helped me in four out of the last six years. That is Glenn in Tampa. I'm glad we were on point in four out of six years for Glenn in Tampa. So you look at this, Dave. It's Tyler Lockett. It's Larry Fitzgerald. Um, Tyler Lockett is uh, the Sunday night game uh, uh, hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. And then the uh, Cardinals and Larry Fitzgerald are hosting the Los Angeles Rams. If you have to pick one, who are you playing between these two? Uh, you know, I'm not a big Lockett fan, but I mean, I think I, I would start Lockett over Fitz in this case. I think Fitz, I mean, all that Fitz really has going for him is stat padding, and, I mean, and that is something that is a, is a thing. Right. And I, I think Fitz actually might be all right. But this uh, the Seahawks game could turn into a legitimate shootout, actually, and I, I think that in Russell Wilson, I know they always want to run, run, run. They run the ball more than half the time. Right. But if it turns into a shootout, they're going to have to throw it. Lockett's the guy that they're going to have to throw it to. I mean, Baldwin's not, just not as good anymore. Don't look. What's the total on that Chiefs-Seahawks game? Uh, 51 and a half. 54 and a half. Yeah, see, that's even higher than I thought. And uh, that's, I'm going to roll with Lockett as well. Not, not just because I need him to do well this week in, in a couple of leagues. Yeah, you event. Um, but I will say that uh, I, I think that Kansas City secondary can be exposed. It has been exposed. And I think Lockett has a, uh, a big week this week. Can't say the same about Larry Fitzgerald uh, right now. Final question, Dave, for the, for the year, really, um, as we move on to the playoff challenge. Uh, can't wait for our new music to come up. Yeah, uh, Rob's got to get on that. Um, <laughs> Caleb in Salisbury, Rob, North Carolina. What are, you, what are you smiling about, Rob? Hi, Bal- not being smiling. You should get fired. Uh, yeah, he's not going to get fired. Hi, Balky and Dave. I benched Derrick Henry last week for Leonard Fournette because I knew he couldn't do it again. <laughs> That was a huge error. But he did. So do I play Henry this week for my fantasy championship over my first-round pick? I can't believe I'm even contemplating this. Yeah. Dave, you bench Leonard Fournette in favor of Derrick Henry. I mean, no. I mean, yes, you bench Fournette for Henry. Right, that's what I'd be doing. Absolutely. Too. I mean, Henry, by the way, he's not the only one. A lot of the so-called expert ranking sites botched Henry again last week. And that was week, I don't think we talked about it, but it was like, Henry was a legitimate, after they actually used him properly and they're just running, 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 just pounded up, pounded, pounded, pounded with Henry, he's an awesome back. Right. They did it last week. Now they finally, the offensive coordinator finally figured out, hey, maybe if have to give this guy 20 rushes a game instead of getting it to the um, Super Lewis, saying he might do pretty well. And amazingly, he does. Oh, that was his middle name. I mean, it's, so it's, it's, this is like an obvious thing that Henry, he should have another, yet another good game. I think Henry's going to be one of those Uber risers next year. Because you know how everyone always looks at least 9 through 16, and yeah. they look at these late weeks, and they'll be like, well, oh, Derrick Henry, wow, he's going to be fantastic. And I think he's going to have a good year next year, too. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And I'm actually kind of mad that I didn't acquire him for cheap, because he could have been gotten for very cheap yeah, in the first, like, 10 weeks of the season, and now his price is coming up. Two other running backs we talked about on the show tonight. Um, would you be drafting Aaron, both Aaron Jones and um, Philip Lindsay ahead of Derrick Henry if you're drafting right now for next year? Yeah, you know, that's a really tough question. So they, he's a third-round pick is what you're saying, Henry. He's in the neighborhood. I would grab Lindsay ahead of him, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, but, it's you know, Freeman's pretty solid back, but Lindsay's been so outstanding. I mean, so good. Um, I would I would draft Lindsay over Aaron Jones. I, I might draft Henry over Aaron Jones right this second. It's, it's, you know, if you're drafting now. I mean, there's going to be free agency. There's going to be the draft. Seattle, there's going to be coach speak. Seattle's going to try to get all the running backs in the draft this year. Exactly. Um, so. Cut some guy because someone else. They're gonna, they'll sign Cream Hunt and they'll draft a running back in the first round. Seahawks will. You know, you know what Seattle's gonna do. They'll sign Bell. No. <laughs> you know, no, no, no. You know who? They, well, maybe, but you know who they're gonna get? Huh. Marshawn Lynch. They're gonna bring Marshawn <laughs> Lynch back. back to Seattle. I want to and, apologize for that. Not running a 
And you'd be like, yeah, I'm cool. Just give me some Skittles. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not practicing. I'm just going to play in games. That, that's going to do it for our show uh, this week, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank uh, Neil Hassett, uh, the FFPC, Dave Gerzak, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you. We will be back next week. Uh, and when I say we, I mean you and, uh, and me. Dave will not be here. Is that correct, Dave? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to be somewhere. Yeah, you will not be here. Um, I'm going to have a special guest co-host uh, and probably... I'll the show. Yeah, so... <laughs> um, the uh, it's probably going to be somebody who won some big money uh, this uh, upcoming weekend. So no, well, no, no national champ though. No, and I I mean it, it, we in the past we have had the Terminator champ come on and yeah. co-host this podcast. Um, uh, Super bracket champ has has come on. So I think there's a safe bet that it could be one of those guys or gals. We'll see. I'll be back though in time for the when the playoff challenge actually starts. The plan is to have the main event champs on. Uh, I think the first show of the new year. That's exciting. I, I think that's what we're going to do. So The new music and the new music. Oh, so good. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> that's the plan, Dave. You know, the thing is, you, yeah, well, yeah, dude, you, YouTube has been blocking so much of our music lately. Something tells me the song, that the song we want for the outro, the, that wax song, yeah, I think won't get blocked. We're probably, we're probably okay in that. So probably, we will be back next week. I probably t- uh, Twitter tweet to that wax guy and ask him if he's using it. He'd probably be like, oh, cool, man, whatever. I don't think that, that would fly for YouTube. Uh, that is uh, that is next week. I want to remind everybody to check out the High Stakes Lowdown with, uh, of course, Jeremy Roach on rotoviz.com slash podcast. Yeah, and, and Roach killed it this week. Good luck to him and uh, Danny Mueller. And They're in there. Kentucky. Yeah, they are. Uh, good luck in the championship week uh, this week. Hey, it all comes down to this. All the blood, sweat, and tears, all the drafts, all the waiver wires, all the lineup submissions. Good luck. I hope the ball bounces your way. Go register for the World Famous Playoff Challenge, myffc.com. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Have a great one, and get start now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Big dog stay on the court. Load of whips. I'm going to ask you about three more whack job level guys, okay? Yeah, yeah all right. Um, none of them are players. Jerry Jones. Third. Third level? Uh, second. Please second. All right. Mark Davis. Who is he with? The Raiders owner. Second. <laughs> And and last one, John Gruden. First. <laughs> oh, it's totally worth it. I knew you were going to say that. It was so hilarious. Good yeah, stuff. What a whack job. He's the worst. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. We'll be back next week, and uh, good luck in week 16. I wish I had a contract, though.